Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Elodie I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. I'm Rosie. This is Martina Navratilova. This is Mark Forbes. I'm Andy Murray. You're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Twenty nineteen is here. Well it isn't because it's still December the thirtieth, twenty eighteen, but this is the tennis podcast. I'm David Law. We have got loads of tennis to talk about because the Hotman Cup has started. Brisbane is starting tomorrow. We've got Doha, we've got Pune, we've got coaching changes, rule changes to discuss, pole vault, obviously. We've got your tennis tennis wish for twenty nineteen. We've got your tennis prediction for twenty nineteen. And we've got Catherine Whitaker, who is on the line with me here, and we've already had a row. In, in the last five minutes, Catherine. Uh, we haven't even started 2019 yet and we've already exchanged words. How's your Christmas been? On the line with you. It sounds like a, a, a 90s radio station phone-in. Yes. I called you my guest a few minutes ago, didn't you I? You did. You said, right, so I'm presenting, you're guesting. <laughs> that went down well. Crikey. Yeah. yeah. Lead balloon stuff immediately. Yeah, we'll do an, out, we'll, we'll do an outtakes podcast yes. if, we, uh, if we reach the Kickstarter target. How yeah. about that? Yeah, Kickstarter that, To be honest, I always quite enjoy folks. listening to that. If, if, uh, if you haven't been following the progress on, on Twitter, etc., uh, well, I mean, there's many of you that have done us proud. Let me, let me say that immediately. We are so moved and, and touched by the way people have, have backed the podcast for a third successive year, our crowdfunding to try to get a budget that we can produce this thing all year long and have a weekly show and daily at the slams and all the other bits that we do as well. And, of course, we're trying to hire grad matt who needs a job now that he isn't a, a student anymore so we want to give him a job um well yeah, anyway don't let grad matt be another um statistic about <laughs> about graduates yes employability of graduates we want don't good let news. grad matt be a statistic that's our new that's our catchphrase campaign. Yeah. yeah right tagline don't let Grad Matt go on the dole. Uh, 68% funded we are so far, Catherine. So we're getting there. We're, we're getting there. We need to be 100% funded or we don't get a penny. Uh, but uh, don't let that worry you. We're, we're, we've still got a couple of weeks to go. 
498 people have backed us so far, which, I mean, really is fantastic. We've got a lot of listeners, so uh, hopefully a few more of you will pitch in as well over the next couple of weeks before we we bring it to a close um, just before the Australian Open. Uh, One person did ask me on Twitter, and and I did answer on Twitter, but not not everybody's on social media, so I'll just just run you through that quickly here. Asked, why are we crowdfunding? Why do we do this at all? And and I think I've just mentioned you, it. You, you, you are paraphr- You are very politely paraphrasing his question there. Yes, I am. Well, I, I why didn't... why do you need a why do you need a load of money to make a podcast? Just two people talking. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. There you go. There, there you Quite go. a lot of work, Easy. actually. Uh, yeah. Listening together, much as we love it, we are supposed to have normal jobs uh, and and pay bills and that sort of thing. So yeah, we've got we've got a fair bit to cover, um, but. I think everybody who contributes to our Kickstarter understands that our goal every year is is basically to 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 do our listeners proud and and to do those that put their support and faith in us proud and make them feel like it was worthwhile and having produced I think 118 editions of the show last year I think we did that and uh, we got all these categories and 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 we have lots of fun with our predictions competition we have people introducing the show we've we've got people guest editing the show we've got executive producers we've we've got Catherine we've got our mascot sorted for 2019 who is it? Rio with a Y. I am delighted. He's got more Instagram followers than us. <laughs> Don't buy a we've got a, of ten. We've got a celeb. We've got a celebrity dog as yeah. our mascot. Yes, that is a. Uh, how's uh, How's Rosie feeling about this? I've seen a lot of Rosie action on 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 our Instagram page the last few few days. She's blissfully unaware, and just she? she's distracted by leftover turkey. Put it right. that way. Yes, I did see her monitoring uh, the oven quite quite intensely. Uh, she's but anyway, a, she's had a good week. She's had a good week. Yeah, that is for sure. She has. Uh, yeah, I've I've eaten my body weight a number of times. Um, but yeah, anyway, it it all comes to close our Kickstarter on January the thirteenth, I think, just before the Australian Open. Go to Kickstarter.com, search the tennis podcast uh, if you want to back us. Uh, there's also links on our website tennispodcast.net uh, on twitter at tennis podcast we're on instagram and facebook the tennis podcast oh and i should also say have a read of Catherine's blog which uh, tells you all about how this podcast over the years has, has helped her in in various bits of of, of life and career etc and it's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic read and now Catherine, we can talk about tennis what do you want to talk about Oh crikey, that's an open-ended question, isn't it? Yeah, the <laughs> um, gosh, yeah. Shall I start the, the 2019 tennis season? Yeah, that let's do that. In 2018. Should we, should we talk Other about sports? Must look at us and just think, what? I mean, what? <laughs> what are you playing at? It is half weird. The, isn't half, it? half the players don't even spend Christmas at home, do they? No. Half the players spend Christmas out in Australia. Yeah, I, I tell because you, because of uh, the duration. It's certainly, if you're playing qualifying, you're absolutely spending Christmas in Australia, aren't you? And the first week of it's, the tennis year is bonkers. is just bizarre, isn't it? The, ten, the first week of the tennis year is like Manic Monday at Wimbledon, stretched over the course of a week, where you feel like you need you need more TV sh- TVs in your house all in one room, basically, and you need to watch them simultaneously. At the moment, I, I we've just finished watching. Uh, the Hopman Cup Roger Federer Norrie match, which I think Federer just cruised through in about fifty minutes. Um, Brisbane starts tomorrow. You've got Doha. Is it Pune? Is that right? 
I think it is Pune. Yes. Yeah, um, Pune in India. There's just so much stuff to follow. I mean, it's it's kind of great, but when you've gone from zero to this, the off season to this, I don't know. My head hurts. Yeah, I would have liked some of this tennis last week when um, you know it was just lolling around watching absolute rubbish on the telly. You were getting with a the bit family, frustrated. Everyone going, is there is there is there not any tennis on? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, Every ten minutes, somebody in the Whitaker family went, is there is not any is there not tennis on yet? There was a bit of Abu and Dhabi. Wasn't suddenly, there? there's more than we can uh, more than we can cope with. Yeah, but not on UK TV. There wasn't no nowhere to be seen. Abu Dhabi. No, that was a shame. Uh, lots of. Yeah, lots I'm of... surprised someone didn't pick up the rights to that yes. last minute. I mean, how much can they have cost? Yeah, because I, I did find that a bit bizarre. Got, anyway, you got and Djokovic ended up winning it, didn't he? Uh, I mean, for, for what it's worth, he beat uh, Kevin Anderson in three sets in the final. Rafael Nadal was an interesting one uh, in that I was going to say I was thinking about this last night how different this year feels to a year ago. Do you remember when Craig Tiley was putting out those press releases every 10 minutes, telling everybody how amazing the entry list was for the Australian Open? And I think our first show of the year must have been us saying, yeah, right, Craig, he's not coming, he's not coming, she's not coming, she's no way. And and and, and basically that came to fruition to a large extent. Serena Williams didn't play. Lots of players weren't quite fully fit. Andy Murray didn't play, etc. I was thinking last night how, apart from Marin Cilic, there doesn't seem to be really... I, mean, I suppose Del Potro as well, because he's coming back from a long layoff. But there's nobody who's actually pulled out at all, really, is there, of, of great note. And then I but, there, but there wasn't at this time last year, was there? They but, waited They waited a little while. Do you not feel that, that, generally speaking, the landscape is a healthier one right now in terms of the number of big names that you would expect to play this Australian Open compared to a year ago? Yeah, of, co- of course it is. It's a cautiously healthy one. I mean, for one, we, we know Serena Williams is going to play barring any injury whereas you know that was probably the most laughable of Craig Tiley's claims last year you know we'd seen her play one exhibition match um in Abu Dhabi and, and look well well below par um <laughs> and there he is um holding her up as is the big star on the entry list um so yeah on the on the men's side I mean, Murray's the big one, isn't he? Murray's the big difference maker because, you know, Djokovic did play last year. Vavrinka did play last year. He he won a match, didn't he? He lost out to... Um, he lost, lose out to tennis. Was he one of Tennis Sangren's victims? Mm. Maybe he was. Um, so, yeah, Andy Murray's the big one. And um, there are... There is, let's be honest, there are still serious question marks around Andy Murray. I, I expect him to play. I don't think it, it's over-egging the cake to, to say Andy Murray is going to play the Australian Open. Um, but in terms of what we expect from him in the draw, I, I'm I'm not sure anyone's, you know, putting their neck on the line and saying they expect Andy Murray to be, be back or, you know, let alone all the way back. I think back is still um, is still in question. Hmm. Well, the reason I got onto this particularly was because of something I saw Pat Cash, our good friend Pat Cash, a, a tennis podcast listener and supporter, who tweeted this morning. He's in Abu Dhabi. He, he's part of the the show over there, and he, he his tweet was early season report. Rafa Nadal looks uncomfortable. 
it looked uncomfortable in his match the other night. Not surprised well, to he- see he pulled out of his next match. Um, on the other hand, Djokovic looked amazing and Anderson was mildly impressive, impressive and keeps improving. Hatchinov looks dangerous. But that's interesting, isn't it? That some, you know, Pat, who was close up to the players, didn't feel that Nadal looked comfortable. Nadal's off to Brisbane now. He, As he said, he pulled out of that other exhibition match. I, I do wonder, really, whether he's whether he's physically going to be up to this. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, okay, it's only it's. I mean, it's an exhibition tournament anyway, and then a third, fourth contest in an exhibition tournament is is about as meaningless as a tennis match gets. So you would only have to have a minor, minor, minor niggle, wouldn't you, to to err on the side of caution and pull out of that. However, with Nadal, this is the time of year when he usually comes out like like a caged animal, like an animal that's been caged for for the off-season. And by all accounts, that doesn't seem to be happening. So I think with Nadal, there maybe is slightly more reason for caution um, than there otherwise might be. And I certainly um, trust the assessment of Pat Cash, even more so given that he's seeing it. I think with those sorts of things that you sometimes need to see it up close, it's quite difficult on the telly. Plus, um, he is quite so, candid, isn't he? He's not somebody who spares players. Uh, it, it, he will just say what he's no. saying. Hey, I read his uh, autobiography over the off-season. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it, yeah, long since published. I think it came out in uh, 2002, something like that. It is a fantastic read. Nobody is spared, put it that way. <laughs> Blushes are not spared. no. Don't get in Pat's way. I'm, I'm glad I I'm glad I didn't annoy Pat Cash pre two thousand and two. Yeah, that way. Yeah, the the next instalment will be read. interesting then. Yeah, because you've you've annoyed <laughs> yeah. him plenty. I am then. eagerly awaiting. Publish it, Pat. Publish it. <laughs> uh, a lot of people are saying that Nadal looks as if he's got a slightly tweaked service motion. I, I'm always wary of. Of, of looking too closely at this stuff because I just don't feel I'm qualified. I, I don't play the game. I, I, I watch. But it does look a bit different. Um, and that that in itself, I think, would be would be some cause for concern. I remember Djokovic, in one of his positive interviews, the one he had with uh, with Simon Briggs of The Telegraph um, last year, was, was talking about how he was rejigging his own serve to try to take pressure off that elbow. And never a good sign, I don't think. Yeah, but that's it's usually related to either the shoulder or the elbow, isn't it? A, a rejig service motion, and and that would be a new area of concern for Nadal, wouldn't it? That would be a new, a new one to add to his injury concern. This, this latest one was a knee, wasn't it, for Nadal? Yeah, in open. And- I, 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 I can't see how a rejig service motion is going to do anything for your knee. Hmm. Okay, but then again, not. Catherine Whitaker, not a tennis coach. No, to be no. clear. No, we'll we'll still be doing a we'll still be avoiding at all costs our. Oh, he's hitting the ball well in practice. <laughs> yeah, which I, I did read somebody say about somebody over the off season. Oh God, not so I've read worry. it loads every day. You read it. Yeah, former world number one hits tennis ball well. Shocker. Yeah, Murray always oh, hitting it well. Andy, he's hitting yeah, it well. That's it. Um, so. Right, I'm going to go through some more tournaments, Catherine. We'll do. Well, there's loads of off-court stuff that we need to talk about as well. But since we're into the tennis, let's carry on with the tennis. I say, um, Djokovic just looks 
sublime at the moment. He beat Hatchinov and he beat Anderson. And he looks, my goodness, he just looks so happy with life. You know, he, he looks as though it just could not be going any better. And, well, frankly, it could not be going any better, could it? Do you do you think that there is any self-doubt in him or any specific player out there that, that is not in awe of, of what he is putting out there at the moment? Uh... Sorry, what's the question? Any well, doubt in him or in anyone else? Well, I, I suppose what I'm saying is, you know how a lot of these players have this locker room aura, um, and and he's got got it at the moment. But do you think that there are there's there are people out there, maybe Zverev, someone like that, who just isn't inhibited at all by him going into this this Australian Open? I think it would have to be someone really young and and younger than Zverev. I mean, Zverev's already okay. He's cancelled out some of the baggage with um, with what happened at the O2, which already feels like a different lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does carry baggage onto the court, certainly, and he ca- carries best of five set baggage onto the court. So it would have to be somebody, I don't know, somebody... Who's like? I mean, it would. It could be a sits a pass. Yeah, it could be a sits. It could be. It would have to be somebody like a sits a pass. I think. To I saw him play yesterday. He looks so rusty in uh, in Perth. Yeah, you, you do find that, don't you? He did, but that's why you pl- that's why you play Hotman Cup, isn't it? Because you're guaranteed matches. It doesn't matter if you're a bit rusty early on. If you play Brisbane and you're rusty in your first match, boom, it's over, and you're left with the dilemma of whether or not to enter. Sydney to to get the matches you feel you need before a, a Grand Slam, which generally speaking for the men playing the week before a Slam isn't the ideal preparation if you're if you're entering the Slam you know with plans of of going deep or winning it. So um, I don't read too much into that. Maybe I will if he continues to be rusty. Um, but yeah, a Sitsipas is he's the only name that's springing to me that I think could walk out there and and not be sort of two love, three love down before the mm. first ball is hit because yeah. Djokovic just seems I mean, did did you read his <laughs> did you read his interview in uh Shortlist magazine in the UK? In the last ever issue of Shortlist um magazine, which is which is a shame that that no longer exists. Um I mean <laughs> I I Djokovic and I have very different approaches, I think, to um uh help me out here david life yeah to life i think um sort of uh uh he talks about transcendence and vibrations rather a lot more than i would should we put it that way yeah um yeah (laughs) he's he's into he's you know it's amazing how candidly he talks about this stuff he talks about telepathy and higher vibrations and lower vibrations, um, and being connected to nation, uh, to nature. Uh, uh, what are you what connected else to? Talk about um, ugh, uh, my bed quite a lot. Um, <laughs> you know. Well, you're saying you're you're a, are you saying you're a better napper than than <laughs> Novak Djokovic. I don't know. I look at Novak Djokovic uh, like he's he seems to be so calm and at peace with anything. You sort of get the feeling he could go into a nap-like state at the click of his fingers. I mean, I envy his his obvious like ease with 
himself and the world and his status at the top of the game and and all of that you know I I don't know what it's like to be world number one and try to deal with everything that comes with that. So um, I certainly don't think he's doing anything wrong. Is just a different approach to life than than I have. Mm. Is that a, a, yeah? Yeah. No, I think um, it, I, I think I, it's I think fair to say that I eat I eat less liquidized vegan food than Novak Djokovic. Right. Okay. Yeah, and po- probably you do too. I David. think I definitely I don't want to do. Speak, speak out of turn, but I think yeah. both of us eat less I eat uh, more liquid vegan food. Yeah, 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 yeah. I still want to know the answer to the pork scratching question. Yeah. Although this interview indicates to me that the answer would be no. I don't ever eat pork scratchings. Wonder if he has liquidized um, pork scratchings. I wonder if those exist. Um, I don't think there's any point to that because it's all about the crunch, isn't it? Right. Well, that's true. Yeah. Pork and scratchings it's also... are as much about texture as they are about flavour. And being a bit drunk. That's another one. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yeah. also being at a football match, which we were at yesterday. Uh, you were at, at Fulham. I was at West Bromwich Albion. Grad Matt was at uh, at Reading. Um, uh, no, not Reading. No, 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 he no, was no. At Fulham. No, no. You've got it's all. It's, you've got it all wrong. Yes. Okay. Anyway, so we were all at football matches. I wasn't matches. at Reddit. I was at, I was at QPR. Yeah, we we're all moaning uh, about our respective teams, and uh, oh, and that's awful. where you eat pork scratchings because I saw them advertised by a man yeah. with a billboard. So uh, th- there's some news. Um, but you mentioned Brisbane and you mentioned Murray. A lot of people got rather alarmed by Andy Murray's answer to the question about how he feels compared to a year ago when he put out his long Instagram post and pulled out of. Brisbane and there was that heartfelt emotional long-winded message about how devastated he was and how much he just wants to play the game that he's been denied being able to play well a year on I mean I think if somebody had, if we'd have had a conversation with ourselves on a podcast which would be, <laughs> be a bit weird but if we did uh, and told ourselves that Andy Murray was going to be playing James Duckworth in round one a year later and seemingly looks ready to compete again i think i think we would have been pretty encouraged by that i certainly would have been a lot of people felt that his comments Mm -hmm. that i'm a bit better than last year uh or i feel a bit better than last year and uh certainly in a better place than i was at points last year a lot of people were a little concerned about that saying that because he he said he still felt pain in the hip that that was really bad news what did you think yeah, I mean it it didn't fill me with the joys of 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 life reading that. It made me it made me a bit sad because I mean this is as good as his hip's going to be unless he can have a unless he has a hip replacement, right? That you know, he spent the best part of 6 months doing, you know, he's dedicated himself to rehabbing that hip. He's gone to he went to Philadelphia, didn't he? And, and um was posting all sorts of interesting Instagram videos about the the rehab work he was doing. There was that one way he was doing a sort of gymnastics routine, um, which was absolutely fascinating, and and all sorts of stability work. And yeah, there's I there is I I, tot- I have total confidence that Andy Murray has done every single thing he possibly can to rehab that hip, and it must be heartbreaking to know that this is probably as good as it's going to get. Um. You know, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna be physically what I was, which I suppose applies to all of us past a certain age. Um, but when you're a 
professional athlete, that's all the more heartbreaking. You're right in what you've said on Twitter in that, you know, and the, this is the sort of language that Andy Murray talks in. He was never, even if his hip was 100% or close to, he was never going to come out and say, hey, guys, my hip feels awesome. I'm going to win the Australian Open. That's not Andy Murray. So there's reason to be cautious about our cautiousness. However, I do think there is a, a tinge of tinge of sadness in it. Mm. I don't think he knows, you know, in terms of matches, how significant the the improvement's going to, you know, how the imp- how much the improvement that he's made, or you know, he's only able to measure it at the moment in terms of how it feels to him. He's not able to measure it in terms of matches results. You know, we'll only find that out over the next few weeks. Um, but and it may be that he surprised himself that actually, in terms of matches it's a significant improvement but um yeah it it didn't fill me with the joys of january or late december Mm. put it that way no um actually it also just reminds me of of how good we've got it at the moment coming up to this particular australian open that we can look at this list of all-time greats and superstars of the game people that have given given so much joy on the court and 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 we've got a, a a bunch of kids as well younger players who are coming up to challenge them all at the same time and there is a pretty good chance that over the space of a 12 month period we could well end up losing from the game i don't know murray nadal federer serena williams vavrinka vavrinka um venus, venus williams. williams you know it it could suddenly look Let's say, maybe not in a year, maybe not in a year, but I would say in two years' time. It certainly could be a year, though. Could be. Could be. It, it definitely. I, I think there's definitely a chance that one of these returning players may just think, I just can't do this anymore. This isn't going to happen, and I cannot put myself through it anymore. Um, and, and that's, well, it's inevitable, obviously, uh, but it's it does kind of get you, doesn't it? When you realise, yeah, that this and I isn't wonder forever. if there'll be a bit of a chain reaction. You know, at the mm. moment they're all there together, that crop defying, defying all the laws of biology and age and physics and everything. But when when one of them goes, um, I'm not saying that it'll be a conscious thing, but subconsciously, you know, it's amazing how these things. You, you, look at the the injury thing, the taking time off. Federer did it, took six months off, and then. Then Murray's doing it, and Djokovic is doing it, and Vavrinka's doing it. Suddenly, that's that's the in thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, who's going to be the first to to blink? Oh, I don't know. That's not a prediction I want to make. <laughs> of of those names that we mentioned, go on. I've asked it now. Who do I think is going to be the first one? Oh, yeah. crikey! Venus is the oldest, isn't isn't she? But I don't think that necessarily means anything. I think Venus will actually make a point of not being the first to blink because she's so fed up with being asked about yes. when she's going to retire. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I think it's going to be one of those three guys at the top, um, but I, I don't think Federer will succumb to injury. I, I actually think he'll have another couple of years. Um, I think it'll be either Nadal or Murray. Um, just not the rinker. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what state he's in right now because actually he no. looked he looked all right last year when he came back. 
uh, Nadal is getting a lot of repeated. In- I mean, he's getting repeated injuries now, isn't he? I mean, okay, he- I'm going to ask you again. We'll ask one another again at the end of the Australian Open. How about that? Okay. Well, what do you think yeah. before you- before we go into that? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I don't think it'll be Serena or Venus. Um, and certainly not, I might have thought with Serena, perhaps if she had another child, that might affect things. Although thinking about it, probably not, because I don't think Serena would want sort of, Serena so wants to, well, I think they all want to feel in, in control of their own tennis destiny, don't they? They don't want circumstance to to end their careers. But with the changes to the maternity uh, rules, fraternity ranking rules in the WTF, that, that uh, potentially less of a factor. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those guys. I I worry a bit that the answer is Andy Murray. I think maybe maybe right now my gut is saying Andy Murray, but I hope that when we re-ask ourselves in a few weeks' time that the answer might look different. So yes. let's revisit. Let's let's table it and revisit. Okay. All right, we, we, we've, we've agreed that. Um, so he's in the, the Brisbane draw with Nadal, Edmund, Nishikori, Dimitrov, who's got Andre Agassi with him. That's going to be quite interesting to see whether he can make a meaningful difference. Alex Dimonor is there. Nick Kyrgios is there. He's been bitten by a spider. Uh, he plays uh, Ryan yeah, Harrison in round one. Nick Kyrgios has, uh, has got the most Australian injury of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he has. An uh, actual, so we'll actual spider bite. Is is that ever? Can you think of anything like that? Oh, oh, wise elder tennis oracle. All right. Snake, snake bites, snake uh, incident. I remember uh, Goran Ivanisevic. C- cane toad incident. Goran Ivanisevic trod on a shell and had to <laughs> had to withdraw from Miami. I remember one year. On the on the beach. So, I mean, that is amazing. That doesn't surprise you enormously, does it? The the women's no. draw in Brisbane sees I mean, a fantastic draw. Svitolina, Osaka, Kvitova, Pliskova in the draw. Burton's against Mertens. It finally happened. Thank goodness I'm it not. It was always going to happen. Yes, uh, I've, I've so, I'm so relieved. I mean, Burton's with a forehand, Mertens with a backhand. Crikey. I don't want to have to commentate on that. Uh, Johanna Conta against Sloane Stevens. I think Conta would be more uh, annoyed with that re- that draw than uh, Mertens and Burtons for the yeah, sake of Yeah, but you made a very, very good point on Twitter. Did I? Um, David, yeah. Uh, in, in amongst all the West Brom dross that I try, <laughs> that I try and filter through. Um, Is there a filter? I mean, can you actually filter out words that I utter on Twitter? Therefore, you don't have to see them. <laughs> I'm sure there is. I, I have to say that is not a, a strategy that I've deployed yet. But now you've put the seed in my mind. Right. I'll, I'll bear that in mind. Um, yeah, I mean, if there's a time to play Stone Stevens, that first match of the season is absolutely the one. She's far more likely to lose a first round than she is to lose a, a quarterfinal. Mm. Plus, um, and that would set Conta up really not, you know, win over Stevens. It would set Conta up really nicely, confidence wise. And she's talked in the off season. I don't know if you saw her speech to the Oxford Union, uh, David, but she's she's been more candid than she's ever been before about the burnout, the mental yes, burnout that yes. she experienced um, 
after pitting the heights that she did a year and a half or so ago. Well, I know she had um, a lunch with a with a number of the British writers as well after that speech that she gave. She 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 had a lunch with them and and talked again there quite candidly about the coaching relationship she now has with uh, it's Dmitry Zalyhov, isn't it? Um, and that he was trying to get her to just take a bit more responsibility for her own game. But she seemed to be, as you say, sort of taking more responsibility for her own life and her own career arc within the person that she actually is, which is somebody that, yeah, does have some some vulnerability, uh, and as we all do. But she's starting, I think, to really understand her limits and and she, as you say, she she admitted she she'd gone over them, gone past them. Yeah, and I think that's I don't know that feels significant for me and and Jake Conter. I've talked about her before as sort of feeling like she's needed to almost hypnotise herself in order to to become the player that she did become um, uh, for that period. And and you almost want to see her sort of be able to 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 do what she did in a more conscious self-aware state do i sound like novak Djokovic? she she needs to get in touch with her higher vibrations see it's it's all there <laughs> um yeah but I, I i mean it looks like a horrible draw which joe conter incidentally has had more than her fair share of since she dropped out of seeded positions in tournaments she boy has she felt the sharp end of that i think it was Ben Rothenberg that tweeted uh, a list of her draws over the past six months, her first round draws. And it's all been Ostapenko, Serena, Sloane Stevens. I think she's had a couple of times, um, a few other absolute nightmares in there. But anyway, I think I think I think it could be a really good draw mm. for Joe Conter. Yeah, it was a uh, Stu Fraser, incidentally, who tweeted that run of. Uh, oh, was it? Oh, yes. sorry. That's all right. Uh, from the Times, um, and it was. I also got the name wrong. It's Dmitry Zavialov, not Zaliavov. Does that make any sense? Yes. Okay. Uh, I just, I just suddenly thought, have I got that name right? So I googled it, and an error came up. So I actually uh, <laughs> <laughs> looked again, and it turns out I'd spelt it wrong and pronounced it wrong. <laughs> it's the same old. Uh, nothing is new in 2019, folks. Uh, we are still pronouncing names wrong. Uh, certainly, I am. The um, yeah. So it's going to be very interesting. I think Brisbane. Uh, that to me is the most interesting of all the tournaments in this first week of the year it just typically is i think being a men's and women's tournament always strong i, I just love brisbane i love watching that tournament um doha's on as well djokovic is their team and Kachinov. um pune is where chilich is withdrawn with a knee injury which i do think is significant i, I mean i hope he's going to be okay but that's that's not something that would happen unless it was a, a real problem, I wouldn't have thought. Anderson is the top seed there. Auckland has Wozniacki as the top seed, uh, and an Azarenka against Venus Williams round one. I mean, this is this is where you get some seriously interesting first rounds because of these older players and injured players who end up lower ranks. Yeah, Azarenka against Venus first round. Who's winning that? Uh, I'm oh, going Azarenka. I watched the Serena Venus um, match in Abu Dhabi uh, and I read absolutely nothing. Well, I watched a highlights reel of it uh, and I read absolutely nothing into any of it because it was, it was about as exhibition-y as an exhibition match can get. 
Um, so I, I, I think Azarenka was going to come out hungry. Oh, yeah, I think I agree with you. I'm going for Azarenka. Do you, when was the last time that you read much into this first week of the year? A, in a positive sense, and B, in a negative sense for a player. I've got two examples, one for each, one both from last year. Have you got any? Uh, do you remember when Dimitrov reached the final in... Hang on. Am I getting Sydney and Brisbane confused? I think it was when Brisbane. When was it when he had the final against Troitsky? I think that was Brisbane. Brisbane. Um, well, I remember, well, uh, recency bias, but Kyrgios winning last year... That feels like a blooming long time ago. That didn't and getting bear excited out, did it? about Kyrgios again. Yeah. Goodness me, that feels like a long time yeah. ago. See, I I'd go with Dimitrov as well, but when he when he was really looking as though he'd got no rhythm last year in this in this yeah. particular week. And and he never really found his rhythm throughout the year. Um from a positive stance, I'd say uh, Angelique Kerber, who a year ago I don't think I'd ever seen anybody look fitter or healthier in the first week of a year than she did. She looked just as though she'd had the most incredible off-season of training. And, and well, that really did feed through into her year, didn't it? One thing that, that I, 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 I'm certain that this was Ben Rothenberg that tweeted this this time. Um, he, he said, this is the week uh, after the pre-season training. This is the week when players always look their fittest. Yes. Um, and he makes the point that, you know, imagine if there were periods, you know, off season periods, you know, two to three weeks here and there scattered throughout the year where players could do more training blocks. Realistically, in terms of training blocks, there is only one spell in the year and it's only about three weeks long that they can do it. And they all do come out. I mean, Ash Barty, did you see um, Ash Barty in the Hotman Cup? She looks just in absolute peak fitness um and you know she's she's obviously a woman on a mission she's talking about you know challenging at slams and being top 10 and and part of me thinks that that may be a stretch but then the other part of me thinks you know there are going to be opportunities and if she's willing to absolutely rinse and maximize everything that she's got which you know the shape that she's in suggests to me that she is then who knows? Who knows? She is the sort of player that can can upset and disrupt people. So, mm. yeah, it it does make you think it would be potentially good for tennis to have just the odd break of two to three weeks here and there throughout the year. But um, it ain't going to happen. Do you think it ain't going to happen? If, if I was to do like a proper tennis off season and do my do a Maldives and then come back and then do an Angelique Kerber training session, would I, uh, rather than doing a sort of sit on the sofa and eat Kit Kats and turkey uh, f- fortnight, would I get abs as a result of it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm pleased to say that. I don't know what your current ab situation is, David. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one big one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My brother always says that um, if he won the lottery, he would... Um, take himself to um Dubai or Miami one of the hot places where there is there are a, a um a high frequency of tennis academies and he would do a whole like training year as a tennis player he'd hire a full-time coach he'd hire an entourage do everything like a tennis player would um and see see where it could get him right 
Okay, let's go yeah. and buy some lottery tickets. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we'll spend the Kickstarter money on. Okay, right. yeah. 50,000 lottery tickets for Matthew Whitaker. That'll definitely get people behind us. No question about <laughs> it, that's going to work. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Catherine, uh, there's loads of stuff been happening off the court uh, as well. Let, let's go through a few of these things because uh, we've, we've been away for a few weeks. Um, Wimbledon is expanding because their vote, uh, the vote of the, the, the club across the road, the golf club, um, where Wimbledon basically want to take over, buy it from them and, and just build all over it to, to expand the, the footprint of Wimbledon and get loads of new facilities and bring qualifying uh, within Wimbledon as opposed to at Roehampton. That is has gone through uh, it has been voted through so pretty big news um i i, I mean I, f- I feel a bit you know it's a shame in a way to see see that nice golf club get ditched but for the greater good of, of wimbledon from a tennis point of view that it's good news really isn't it it's gonna it's gonna ensure that wimbledon is able to keep up and just be right up there all the way yeah i mean i never had any concerns about Wimbledon's ability to or desire to to keep up I I don't I don't lament the loss of golf clubs for rich people um in in the world or in the country so uh, I mean I I feel I I feel like I've missed something with this story because I feel just a little bit nonplussed by it Mm. um you know Wimbledon you know big tennis tournament gets a bit bigger 
well, I'd be a lot more a lot excited bigger. if I the mean, French Open would. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Three but, times bigger. It's going to end up being. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's a lot, isn't it? And that's, yeah. It's going to be a long old walk. Yeah. And as you know, I really <laughs> like qualifying it. I really like qualifying at Roehampton, so I do feel a bit sad. So what Catherine's saying is this golf club just keep the buggies and put Catherine's name on one yeah. of them. Yeah. And then I mean it really is going to be a from one end of Wimbledon from the hill over to the far end of that golf club. That is a yeah. I'm I, I believe in you Catherine you can handle it. Um the, the, the the rule change uh, on the WTA for uh, you'll be more pleased about this I would think uh for uh Pregnancy and long-term injury, obviously Serena Williams in mind. She was the one who brought the focus to it, the fact that she came back as an unseeded player having given birth to Olympia uh, has been overhauled. And I think it's players that take leave of absence to have have a child are going to get a three-year period in which they can enter 12 tournaments on their ranking and there will be an additional seed. If they would have been originally in the seed, there will be an additional seed to ensure that they don't face a seeded player in the first round. Sounds quite a good good way of doing it to me. What do you think? Yeah, I really... The additional seed thing wasn't something that I had thought of or that I'd seen... I'm sure somebody thought of it somewhere, um, but it wasn't something that I'd seen proposed and I think it's really good lateral thinking uh, i think mm. it's really good problem solving i don't think it's absolutely perfect but i'm not sure there was a solution out there that that was i think i, I i'm impressed at, that you know identify problem think about problem consult on problem solve problem mm. great yes no i agree with you uh, the the australian open tie break final set tie break this was originally broken mm. by Stu of the times that the australian open wanted its own version of a, a sort of match closer when things are really tight in a fifth set rather than just going on forever and having 28, 26 final sets. Wimbledon brought in a final set tiebreak at 12 games all, a normal tiebreak. The French Open ha- still has no final set tiebreak at all, so you just have to win by two clear games. US Open has, for many, many years, as long as I can remember, had a tiebreak at six all. And now the Australian Open is going to have a tiebreak at six all in the fifth set but it's going to be a first to 10 point tiebreak leading by a clear margin of 2 your thoughts i think i think it's the wrong thing to introduce that in the women's game i think it's totally unnecessary i think that's missing the point of equality um i think it's a real shame and just completely unnecessary i know why they've done it because it's they don't want the headache of explaining why they're doing something differently for men's and for women's it's e- easier to sort of um just go uh, equality um but you know that's you know there's a lot of nuance in there that that argument overlooks do you feel Um, the same about the Wimbledon situation as well then I do I mean less so because it curtails it less and it's more of an extreme example it will apply it will just logically apply to fewer matches but yes in principle I do feel the same Hmm. um but I I mean as you know I like fifth set tie breaks so I'm not I'm not sort of huge post that I do think that it's one thing for us nerdy tennis fans every slam having different rules that's you know we're okay with that because it's it's our life's work to keep on top of everything and and you know keep abreast of everything but I think for the casual tennis fan it it's a bit confusing that every slam has different rules now yes I I, I do agree with you 
on that standpoint, I mean, actually, I know it's more extreme, but I was watching Hoffman Cup yesterday, and I I did not know they played. It had passed me by that they had short sets in the in the mixed doubles, you know, the fast four thing. Um, mm. But they have it, you know, standard sets in. But the it's singles. an exhibition. So, yeah, I did sit there thinking, oh, what's going on? I, um, not ideal in in that way. I agree, and actually. It's interesting, Craig Tiley, tournament director of the Australian Open, said that we asked the players past and present whether they wanted to play an advantage final set or not, and they actually called it the the most uh, comprehensive of of consultation periods and, and processes that, that, that they've ever had in order to, to arrive at this particular set of conditions for the final set tiebreak. Alexander Zverev said, we weren't consulted at all. I don't think any players were asked at all, to be honest. Uh, and Rafael Nadal was reported by Rima Bulet, uh saying that he didn't know that the tiebreak is first to ten points rather than a regular tiebreak. I mean, some of that, some of that, I, I, I take with a slight pinch of salt because I know what tennis players are like, and sometimes mm. agents might be consulted and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, or the message might get not get across, or they might not really have read it all or been listening. Um, but at the same time that is problematic that two of the biggest names in the sport don't appear to know too much about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm be interested. Um, I hope they are asked and if not, then, then perhaps we can ask David once we are out in Australia, how many of the WTA players were, in, uh, were consulted? Cause I'd be surprised if many of them were, were pro that change. Mm. Be surprised. Um, yeah. But I don't, I don't think Craig Tidy's lying. I just no, and you're right that it should be taken with a pinch of salt. I just think it's maybe different in terms of interpretations of uh, of extensive consultation. Yeah. Also, consultation um, could be just you were told, mate. Um, what? What's yeah. Happen? This this is what's happening, just to make you aware. But then, sort of, that's kind of defied by what Nadal said, which is, please tell me what's going on because I don't know. Well, I've asked it on Pole Vault. Uh, who, which of the four tournaments are their favourites in terms of the the fifth set? Um, Australian Open got twenty four percent. Roland Garros got twenty nine percent. Wimbledon was the most popular with thirty four percent, and US Open the least popular with thirteen percent in terms of those solutions. I mean, personally, I actually really like the Australian Open final set tiebreak. I seem to be one of the only ones who likes this first 10 points at, at six games all. I do take your point. Do you like it do you, do you like it for the women? Yeah, I do. I mean, I I don't have any problem with it as a as a format. Um Would you've been okay with with Halep Lauren Davis being curtailed last year? Yeah, I would. Because I, mm-hmm. I still think it would have been fantastic. I think it would have been a fantastic final set tiebreak. And I think, generally speaking, you will get wonderful climaxes to matches. I think those first to t- 10 point breakers are really good after, as long as you've had a full match first. I, I'm fine with that, really. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have a bigger problem with the, the, the more ideology of just having the difference between men and women again it, it to me the bigger issue is that we have three set women's matches and five set men's matches i just think that needs to be equaled and the way we've discussed Absolutely. it in the past of having three sets for both genders up until 
quarterfinals or the fourth round and then going five sets would be the way around it and with these shorter fifth sets or at least finish lines on fifth sets with tie breaks that works still for me so i think we'll end up getting great conclusions to match yes there there won't be as meandering and maybe back and forth and as long but I don't know. I, I still think they'll, they'll be great. What, what, what do you think? Are you are you again? Do you not like the idea? I mean, I thought you did like the idea of final set tie breaks. Yeah, I've, I've, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I quite like a first to ten point tie break. Um, I, yeah, exactly as I've said. I think it's a shame for for the the, the women are losing out at the expense of a a sort of a misunderstanding of equality or sort of a fudged. A fudged version of equality, um, because I completely agree. It's it's yeah, as discussed before, there is such a bigger issue at hand: re um, equality of match formats. Um, but I do think the inconsistency across the slams is not ideal for the casual tennis fan. Mm, yeah, I do feel quite strongly about that. I feel like what we're losing in sort of, um, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, it. But then, to be honest, we spend a lot of time talking about it, and it is a. It's a marginal issue, isn't it? It is pretty marginal in terms of the number of matches affected. Yes. Whereas, you know, in terms of the time dedicated to to lobbying for or debating or arguing about um, evening up men's and women's match formats, I feel like the you know there's a there's a real discord there. Mm. The time we spend arguing about when and if there should be a final set tie break is, you know, to me, it's a bit like, oh, yeah, sort of, I care a little bit about this, but not, you know, dispar- it's disproportionately discussed. Mm. Uh, coaching news, we, we we talked in one of our end of season shows about Simona Halep and Darren Cahill not being together anymore. They've split and Halep doesn't appear to have replaced him with a specific coach uh there were some bizarre rumors that that boris becker <laughs> might be some sort of consultant which have been swiftly denied uh, on all sides and it appears she's got her she's got her coaching team she's got an established hitting partner and and fitness person etc but no sort of head coach as such maybe she feels now that she's she's learned enough and doesn't need another voice i think that's going to be very interesting venus williams and david witt have ended their 11 year partnership and we were talking about sloan stevens playing against johanna conta well she's no longer with kamal murray they're reportedly inverted commas on a break um, which I think I'm not sure that's a good situation for Stevens. I no. think Kamal Murray is an excellent coach. I've heard his his interviews in the past, and I think she needs somebody I don't, uh, who who is providing a framework for her at all times because she can wander. And yeah, that worries me for for Sloane Stevens. That really worries me. I mean, he wasn't there in Singapore, was he? And well, she reached the final in Singapore, so. I suppose that's an argument for for it not being as drastic a, a shift for her. But you know, that's one tournament. I think, yeah, that yeah, it's worrying for her. I think he was again. I, there's a slight part of me that feels un- there's so much attributing. I, I think there's more attributing of women's success to the to the coaches, and I'm as guilty of it as anyone. Um, and maybe I'm more uncomfortable with it because the the coaches are inevitably men. Um, b- 
but I do think in you know in their instance he was incredibly significant to her and and I don't know the on a break thing that just the lack of stability that seems to be implied in that situation so does that mean she can't look for another coach you know because she's still technically with him but he's I mean what what is that Mm. be quite what is that is she allowed to cheat on him or not be a huge like moment all over again. <laughs> be a huge moment if either Simona Halep or Stevens were to win the Australian Open now without those two men in their corner, wouldn't it? In in that regard, it w- you would hope that that would then break that over attribution. Yeah, attributing of of success to them. Look, I'm not saying it's over attribution. I don't, and and I'm just saying that I think it's the fact of it always being male coaches and female players just makes me instinctively uncomfortable. But it might be Um, over attributing, mightn't it? It might. It might well be. It could be. It's it's an issue that's sort of impossible to disentangle. Mm. Um, uh, Yeah, but the the having the data set of one of them doing it without that male presence you're absolutely right would be very very significant Mm. because we don't have the the sliding doors of knowing you know what they would be without them but maybe we maybe we will in a few weeks time well well we definitely will we will, we will. Uh, get, get on to our uh, social media channels folks because uh, uh grad matt and myself have been asking many questions catherine have you been monitoring well, I answered one of them. Did crucially, you? not a pole vault. Yeah, oh. but yeah. Which one did you answer? Yeah, no, I've, 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 I've again with with filters. <laughs> I've kept abreast of what's been going on. I answered. Um, what's the worst tennis match you've ever seen? Oh yes, that was a that's a jolly start to the year <laughs> for <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> what was it? Uh, well, again, hashtag recency bias, but uh, Nishikori team at the O2. Oh yeah, Ot- that's a stinker. Dross. St- yeah, just hideous. Was barely like even tennis, how to play, and I've it? and amplified for the awfulness of what Nishikori was wearing. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, uh, I, especially I now in the light of seeing, I've just seen. Uh, I'm watching. I've got Benchich Bolter in front of me on my laptop, and Roger Federer is just snuck in, you know, post shower, snuck in, looking immaculate to the crowd to watch uh, his countrywoman, Linda Benchich. Uh, And he was wearing, he was looking resplendent in this sort of all black Uniqlo outfit. And it does make me think that what they put Nishikori in at the O2 is even more of a practical joke. What a stitch up. Yeah. Same label. They do have nice kit. They're making Federer look great. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, if I were Nishikori, I'd be having words. Sort it out, Uniqlo. Anyway. Uh, Especially as Nishikori probably is an even bigger deal for them in terms of a, a brand than Federer. Or certainly as big a deal. Hmm, I think so, yeah. Hashtag my tennis wish 2019 was one of the uh, subject points. Uh, so Catherine's tennis wish is put Nishikori in better clothes. Um, yeah. Lynn Knott says uh, a slam for a man aged 25 or under. Which Yeah, uh, I'm up for that. That would be quite I'm really up for that. It's time for one of them to, you know, do something. Hatchinov, Tsitsipas, Zverev. 
Get on with it. Sort yourselves out. Uh, Dan O'Connor, yep. Nadal gets an injury-free 365 days. Mm, I think you Right. Well, I it's not you... even 2019 yet, and he's pulled out of a match with an injury. <laughs> well, we haven't even made it into the 365. He's, he's revised his service motion and pulled out of a match. So, T-minus two days, and, and he's injured. <laughs> uh, Lani says, uh, for Venus to win a title, for Andy Murray to be back playing at full health and capacity, well, I think most of us would agree with that. Yes, Lani, I'm up for both of those things. Cheese says for Nick Kyrgios to get his mind and body together and win her slam I'd oh, be, it's not going to happen be, I've given up as expressed uh, in the um, end of season awards show I look I would still love it to happen but I've given up investing my energy in hoping for it yeah we're not going to give much airtime to Nick at the moment until he starts to warrant it so there we are uh, Yasmin says for people to learn how to pronounce Kasatkina rather than Kasatkina. Yeah, we have we do we do know that we're doing it wrong. We just haven't um invested just, the time in the, in, in the linguistic memory of doing it right. Right. What what's your yeah. tennis wish apart from Nishikori clothing overhaul? Um well now that we've discussed it I'd love one of Halliper Stevens to win a slam solo. That yeah. would be great. Um, I'd love uh, Naomi Osaka to to not have a difficult second season. I'd love her to 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 pick up where she left off last year. Uh, I'd love Andy Murray to to to. I think maybe it's too much winning slams. So I'd love him to be challenging. Um, have a run, have a real run, have a, and have get a us big, all up. have a run. Yeah, can you imagine oh, the emotion of a run? Be great, a big it? Wimbledon run. Yeah. Um, but I, and I'd love one of the one of the youngsters, you know, like Osaka did last year. I'd love one of the the men's youngsters to to properly break through. So we're not talking about them as potentials, but about being the real deal. It's going to happen this year. It's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You think one of those youngsters is going to win a slam? Get to a final. No, you, you're going to do one of your wafty predictions. Get to a final like, at least. One of them will. One of them will take our breath away. I've been specific. Get to a yeah, final okay, at get least. Get to a final. Okay. There we are. Uh, my my tennis wish is just uh, at the risk of sounding like somebody. Um, make Davis Cup great again. Um, oh. So. That's all I've got, really. I just just sort it out, please. Mm. Sort out the Davis yeah, Cup. Sort it all. But I mean, all of it. I'm sitting here watching Hopman carping and getting excited about. I mean, Brisbane in particular, as you say. I don't want these events to go next year. I really don't want Brisbane to go. I really like that event. <laughs> it's great. Mm. Oh, doesn't need reforming. Doesn't need ditching. Keep it. Catherine said. Uh, and hashtag my big tennis prediction 2019. Uh, the swing volley says Kevin Anderson to win the Australian Open. Might, may happen. Kainim Truex says a player currently ranked outside the WTA top 50 will win her first major. More specific, Belinda Bencic, who we're watching right now. James Dole says no slams for Djokovic. <laughs> Not happening, James. Uh, Matt Graham says Djokovic to win all four slams. <laughs> that might happen. Anderson Could says happen. Could Nadal... Happen. Nadal doesn't win Roland Garros and Sabalenka wins a slam. That could happen. I'd love Sabalenka to win a slam. Yeah. What have you got? Definitely could happen. She's looked mean in her, in her pre-season training. Um, I've just told you mine. Your big tennis prediction? 
Oh, prediction. Oh, sorry. I thought those were wishes again. No, we're, we're, those are all predictions. Oh, prediction. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think one of those youngsters will get to a final. But, I, uh, yeah. I'm going to go um, for Zverev to break his duck and actually win one. You think he'll win one? Yeah. Right. Um, I think Sabalenka might win one. Okay. Right. Oh, I can't wait. So, yeah, uh, Catherine, that's been the Tennis Podcast for week T-minus two days of the 2019 season, uh, brought to you in association with the Telegraph. We are trying to take Grad Matt with us to Australia. We've already got his official media accreditation sorted. We've got his Which media... is better than I'm doing, David. <laughs> we've, we've got... Oh, you haven't got yours? Oh, well. As it stands at the moment, I've not received confirmation of my accreditation. We'll switch you. Have you? Yes, I have, yeah. I'm fine. Oh. I'm absolutely oh, fine. Oh, right. I will up my levels of concern about yes. that considerably. Uh, he's also got a visa. Have you got one of those? I've got a visa. Okay. They'll let me in at right, the very okay. least. Yeah. Now, so what we've could, got to do now... Could be a three-week holiday. We've got to find a way to pay for his trip and employ him. Uh, but anyway, we're doing well with our Kickstarter. Don't forget, uh, support us there if you can. If you like listening to this show, keep it going, keep it growing. We're going to try and do that ourselves and, and, and your help is is invaluable in, the, in that quest. Um, I can't wait, Catherine. The tennis season's underway and it hasn't even started as a year yet. Uh, we're going to be back next week with another show. We'll then be over in Australia bringing you our preview show uh, after the draw has taken place. We'll be in person for that one. I, I want to go and see those animals that you got to see last year, Catherine. I can't wait. I saw I'm already excited about it. Yeah, I'm going to go and do that. This, this year you might see a, a picture of me holding up an already dead cooked lobster. I like Roger Federer. <laughs> that definitely wins weirdest uh, animal selfie of the year. Well, it wasn't a selfie, was it? I don't know what it was, but it was, it was it, certainly a down, downgrade on the quokka selfie. Yeah, it was dramatic, but it wasn't. Cuddly. It, it was. It was a diptych of. Uh, it was a diptych of. No, what? What is it? Yes, it is diptych. A triptych is two. Diptych is is no. A triptych is three. What are diptych. you talking about? It's it's a painting series. It's a it's it's a painting that's done in either two parts or three parts. Anyway, I'm going to say diptych and and look forward to being made a fool of on Twitter. Of, of picture number one was Federer holding lobster. Picture number two was Federer eating lobster <laughs> with a lovely crisp glass of white wine. It was like you know when horror movies intervene with animal selfies. It was, it was so weird. Different. So weird. Different. Yeah. Thanks, Roger. It was almost like they went, right, so last year we did the best animal selfie of all time. We can't try and match that. What can we do? Dead let's, lobster, guys. Let's Dead freak lobster. people out. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have loads of shows coming up. We're hoping to be daily during the Australian Open and throughout the year. Simon Briggs of The Telegraph will be there as well. Catherine will be there. I'll be there. Hopefully, Grad Matt, if we can get him there. Um, Thanks for all your support. We really do appreciate it. And we, we, we love producing the show. We'll, we'll endeavour to continue doing so uh, with your assistance. And we will be back next week. See you then. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 